welcome to UX Soup, a podcast that looks beyond the buzzwords to give you the latest developments impacting the user experience of personal devices and services in the home and on the go. As always, UX Soup is presented by Strategy Analytics, a global research and consulting firm providing our clients with insights, analysis, and expertise. I'm Chris Schreiner, and I am joined today by both my co-hosts, Diana Franganillo. Hello, guys. And Lisa Cooper. Hello. All right. So last week was uh, the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas uh, that they tried to have in person after last year in 2021. They had to do it completely virtually because of the pandemic. They tried to hold an in-person CES, which was a little still very different from years past and is the first in-person CES that I've missed in well over a decade. So it was very, very different for me. But with the pandemic hitting again, we had a lot of companies pull out at the last minute. A lot of the big names decided to either scale back or not go there at all or only do virtual demonstrations. So it was still a very, very different CES than we would be used to. Uh, but we want to talk about some of the things that we saw at CES from a user experience perspective, see some of the, the new products and services that we think might uh, be interesting going forward. So uh, we wanted to look at this from, from a couple of different areas. Of course, we, we do a lot of work in the automotive space. We wanted to cover that. We wanted to look at uh, digital health space because there's a lot of healthcare initiatives going on at CES this year and look at it just from a uh, overall HMI perspective. All right, so Diana, why don't we start with some of the automotive announcements and products that uh, we saw at CES? Yes, sure. Um, let's start with the big OEMs. And I have to say that I am quite pleased and surprised because it seems that some of the concepts and some of the things that are being presented at CES feel quite useful, quite relevant. Ooh, um, that's not always the, the case. <laughs> Yeah, I feel quite useful, quite relevant. I have to say that the, I haven't been gobsmacked or extremely surprised by anything at all. I mean, uh, it seems that people are coming with the, you know, with the feet on the earth, presenting something that is quite, let's say, implementable, if that word exists. So I don't think, uh, I haven't seen much blue sky thinking like, mm -hmm. um, you know. We would see in the past um, some of the blue sky thinking around mobility solutions or fully autonomous driving and just these concepts of some future that's supposed to be in the next 10 years that we really think is at least 20 or 30 years down the road. Um, and yeah, there were so there was still a little bit of that, but less than you would normally see. And yeah. like last year, one of the themes was around stationary moments and what you would be doing in these fully autonomous electric vehicles as they just drive you in your mobile office down the road. Were there any themes that you could pull out from this year's show? There, there were stationary moments. So Mitsubishi um, had kind of like a, a small, well, a few seconds of footage about uh, some relaxing mode, stationary moments where you can contemplate the fireworks from, you know, from a privileged position inside your car and set up the vehicle to enjoy that experience. Yeah, we have seen as well non-stationary moments, LG's Omnipod, which is allowing you to do 
a wide range of things uh, in a moving pod. Some of them, I think they are quite reasonable, but some of them, in my opinion, might not be that reasonable. Like what? I don't know if I, I mean, I think it could be convenient. I don't know if I would take my wardrobe in a pod to get change. I mean, I am not super girl. <laughs> I don't need kind of like a quick cha- outfit change. You Are know? we talking um, about a pod in an, in, am I hearing correctly that there's a pod so you can get changed inside a vehicle, an autonomous vehicle? Yes. It's like more like an automated. Um, Is this made for sense. James Bond or? <laughs> well, I'm not, I would say that I, w- I am not that organized. If I need to have things at home, things in the pod, things in the, you know, it's going to get messy. So I think, I think the vision that they are communicating is that, okay, it's an extension of your life. Um, life doesn't need to stop just because you need to go from A to B, which is, you know, um, the underlying statement of all these automated vehicles. But yeah, I don't know if I would choose to exercise, I mean, to work out inside one of these spots. It can feel oh. a little bit funny yeah. and might be a little bit motion sickness prone. Wait, we can exercise in one of these pods also? Yeah, that was one of the use cases they showed. So while you're in stop and go traffic and turning corners on city streets, you're standing up in this pod, either trying to get dressed or doing squats. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for clarifying. That, that's some of the more... That's some of the less reasonable, I guess, use cases for it. Have they yeah. determined that people in autonomous vehicles will be in the vehicle for a, a certain length of time? Is that where this comes from? I think it just comes from trying to show that, hey, we can move your living space into a car. Yeah, and I think they are also trying to feature the concierge a AI concierge who is going to assist you to get dressed to, to you know, to, um, to work out. I guess that if you want to cook a recipe, it would assist you as well. So I think it is, is to showcase that embodiment, let's say. Now I see, I, I, I would see the relevance of this if people were in this autonomous vehicle for long distances, you know, going across the country or something like that. But what kind of cars will these be in? Because most autonomous vehicles, I think, have been tested out in cities and on shorter yeah. rides. Uh, it seems to be the goal, at least at the moment. Yeah, well, they are tested in kind of like highway situation where where the theory says that in principle it's a less complex environment and automation is easier, if we can apply that word, easier to achieve. But um, yeah, well, Lisa, maybe they are talking about high-intensity training that you, in five minutes, you get done a lot. <laughs> <laughs> that while, must while be an, it. While an avatar is watching you too. And helping you get changed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and serving you drinks. I'm just curious uh, what these innovations are based on, what kind of research these have been based on. Is this what consumers are asking for, or is it because we have the technology, therefore we can? It's the latter at this point, because it's very difficult, as you know, to have consumers say what they want in something that they really haven't had a chance to experience. But I would say that the technology is not quite there, but we are all assuming that it's going to happen. So I think, I think it's... I mean, it's good and comforting to work on those concepts. I mean, 
if you put the concepts out there, you get feedback as well, which I think is a good thing, maybe. I mean, it's not only us talking about it, it might be lots of people. So yeah, but I, I think sometimes when you put these concepts out there, even if some of them look a little bit wacky or just say, well, is that really useful? But they are food for thought. So I guess that yeah. creativity fosters more reasonable creativity of thinking as well. So one of the other things that I saw uh, that was interesting uh, in the automotive space came from BMW with their uh, their e-ink uh, display. BMW is bringing electronic ink to the vehicle. So basically it's a dynamic painting and that painting can be uh, used for different applications. So for example, it can be used in mobility solutions to say, okay, this car is full battery, is empty battery, has empty battery and so on. It, this, it can be show kind of like vehicle status, is this, this vehicle is free, it's occupied. Or it can be used just to personalize your vehicle. Like I am dressed in red today, so I think it would be quite striking too that my car shows in red. So, what do you fancy a color-changing car? Are you quite happy with your the color of your Mini Lisa? I quite like being more expressive with my car. I think that would be great. Actually, I, I yeah. like that idea of being an artsy person myself. It was kind of neat because they had it kind of go from front to back, change the color of the vehicle so you can kind of see it happen. Ooh. What they are claiming as well is that this, I mean, the different color of the vehicle optimizes, a, can be used to optimize the thermal properties. So, I mean, if you vary the color according to the solar exposure, for example, you can create different effects in terms of cabin conditioning. So, it's, I mean, it has some information or some... Wow. Um, Sorry, I'm watching a video of it. That's incredible. Now that's useful. (laughs) 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 To just me, I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) I hope they do have some constraints on that so that the vehicle is always easy. (laughs) Well, and easy to see too. You know, you don't want someone coming up, like I said, trying to put an invisibility cloak on it by camouflaging. I could, you know, just because we can, why not? Oh, it would make it more difficult, too, for the police. So, you know, you're chasing this red BMW. Not anymore. anymore. (laughs) Yeah, that is because it would be great as well to advertise. I mean, if they could use kind of like the vehicles. I mean, you know that sometimes you get your vehicle painted to advertise a product. Oh, yes, so yes. With this, it could be dynamic advertising as well. The yeah. whole vehicle. don't know if that would be legal, but but yeah. And we'll link to that video in the show notes. It's pretty cool. All right. So, Lisa, um, one of the other areas that there was a lot of announcements, at least, uh, if not products, was around healthcare. CES with digital health was certainly becoming a, a big healthcare show. That was the promise, yes. CES did get changed slightly with some companies dropping out. But one key thing to mention is that um, the keynote speech for the first time in CES history was led by a uh, a board chairman and CEO, um, Robert Ford from Abbott. It was the first time that a healthcare company had done a keynote speech at CES. That's a that's a huge change. Right there, that really demonstrates how things are moving in the healthcare space and how mainstream companies as well are also moving towards the healthcare space. 
Um, the reason Abbott were there were to talk about their, they are going to be moving into consumer biowearables. Uh, typically, they've been doing more healthcare systems for people with diabetes and things like that, but now they're moving more over to the consumer space. So that's interesting. We've seen this diverging of mainstream companies going over to medical and then traditionally medical companies going over to consumer health and fitness. What are the concepts or the ideas or that you have been surprised by? There's a couple of, couple of different deals that have gone down that, that are interesting to me. Uh, so I don't know if I'm surprised by them, but I'm interested by them. So Mojo Vision, um, they were actually targeting people with visual impairments. They have these, uh, basically these smart lenses that overlay uh, virtual information onto the real world. So it's an augmented reality situation. Um, but now they've received a bunch of funding and they've... Uh, essentially formed a strategic partnership with Adidas Running and various other fitness uh, companies so that now they can explore that, explore something where you create a real-time uh, set of fitness uh, information, data, uh, you know, running routes, things like that, onto contact lenses so that people can actually access that. Now, obviously, that's fraught with some that can be fraught with some human factors issues right there. You don't want to clutter somebody's eyeballs uh, with irrelevant data or obstruct anything so that they end up hitting someone or cycling into a road or whatever. So there's a lot of things that they have to be aware of for doing that. So that was an interesting one. Virtual reality, of course, is always something that I think is really getting into the healthcare space. And so there were two companies that's working with healthcare, and that is XR Health. Um, they've been working in healthcare for a while now. They have a platform where they use virtual reality to help people with rehabilitation and things like that. They've actually announced that they're partnering with HTC Vive for offering virtual treatment clinics, uh, as well as Vive Flow. So that's another sort of partnership that's happening. Another virtual reality one uh, would be RenderFit. This one was interesting because it works with seniors. They've just released a global shipping of RenderFit, which is to help seniors keep fit using virtual reality. So that's something that's going to be marketed to, you know, senior communities, senior living situations, yeah, yeah. care facilities, which you have to ask the questions because th this is something they see as not only helping with fitness, but also helping socially, because as part of this, you can come together as a community, you can compete with other com communities globally, You all these fitness scores that you can do, you know, uh, gamifying fitness or gamification of fitness. But if we're talking about social isolation, are the people who are feeling socially isolated in senior living communities? Possibly not. They're at home. Right. So that's something to think about as well as issues such as cyber sickness. Yeah. You know, we have as, to be aware of that. As you get that. older, that gets a lot worse. Exactly. <laughs> the inner ears we've probably experienced, that that can be tricky. From what you've seen at CES and healthcare, I know that there are a lot of issues around getting data to doctors in terms of making these products usable. D did you see things that kind of 
address those challenges? I think companies are still struggling with that. And even the ones that say they do that. So for example, Vital Sites says that their data integrates with electronic medical records or through a doctor dashboard. And I imagine that they have both because not all electronic medical records can integrate with it. Um, so it's still something every company is struggling with, I think, if they're wanting to get into that space of remote patient monitoring. So one of the areas, one of the other areas we wanted to look at was other HMI advancements that we saw at CES. And of course, one of those would be around displays. Uh, LG Display was showing off more of their transparent see-through displays, and they showed these last year through the mm -hmm. virtual CES. Mm -hmm. They showed, last year they showed it in restaurants and as a screen that came up off out of the foot of your bed mm -hmm. that was transparent this year they focused a lot more on enterprise applications of it of having these transparent displays be things like department store windows to better advertise things uh, so kind of moving away a bit from the consumer space so it wasn't anything groundbreakingly new with those displays but they right. are just really interesting to to think about what other use cases might be for them. Yeah, I think they're trying to engage um, people's imagination and mm -hmm. obviously investment and interest yes. and, and buzz around it, even though I, I agree there didn't seem to be anything truly different about it other than the use case. Yeah, I, I see a good use case for it as long as we're doing pandemic things like putting screens up at restaurants in between booths you know might as well have those show the menu or something or kind of even make it your own little personal space mm. by showing i don't know moving images or fish tanks around you or something oh i like that there are also a few augmented reality glasses uh showing off uh, like corrigalium tcl also announced it and gave a little teaser of their augmented reality glasses so that's Again, something that we, we've been talking about these things for years and still trying to find that good solution or that, that usefulness, those good use cases. Yeah, for good it, application. Really. Yeah, I was going to ask other use cases. I mean, healthcare is a great use case yeah. for AR. Is that yeah. what they were no. demonstrating? No, they're, they're demonstrating it for consumers, for things like, hey, instead of grabbing your phone out of your pocket, all of your notifications pop up in your eyeballs. Um, and, uh, the other, the other big buzzword of the entire CES was of course the metaverse. Yeah. It seems to be a catch all really. It's just another way of, well, it's, it's, it's like what AI was a few years ago, where if you don't have metaverse somewhere in your demonstration, then you yes. think you're going to get ignored. Yes. So everything that could have a metaverse application, even the most tangential of it, they were trying to stick metaverse in it. Yes. But when we do actually talk about the metaverse, and I'm sure we'll do an episode on this thing in the future, um, one of the things for any real virtual reality system to make it more immersive are realistic haptics. And so there were uh, a couple of uh, haptic vests that claim to be much more sensitive so that you can feel anything from a gunshot, which, you know, would be pretty powerful <laughs> to uh, uh, a gust of wind or a hug. Oh, I like the hug. <laughs> there, were, there was an invention um, a few years back uh, with a vest to feel each other's hugs mm -hmm. at, yeah. dist at distance. So, yeah, I haven't known anybody that has them. 
anyway. I don't know if they have got into production, <laughs> <laughs> but that idea was floating as well. Yeah, and it's a lot nice of that it's back. And a lot of these vests, a lot of these haptics, gloves, whatever, the technology hasn't quite been there yet. So have been these slow incremental changes. And again, unfortunately, we weren't there physically to test it out, but we plan on getting our hands on some of these and and look at just how far the realism has come with this to see if if it's really getting to that point of of providing a, an immersive experience and useful experience rather than this kind of unnecessary kind of show off a few times, but not really getting anything out of it kind of experience. So could I ask, do you think that conferences like this, given the limitations we've had over the last two years, do they have a future? Are we finding that we're getting all the information we need by doing this virtually? Or is there something to actually being at a conference like this? For me, there are two different elements of it. So first is from getting the information itself. Uh, I still prefer in person, although that was getting harder and harder because I, I want to touch it. I want to feel it. I want to experience it myself. And there was a bit less and less of that as the years have gone on of being able to get your hands on something. Uh, oftentimes it would just be behind a display case or, you know, somebody would, you know, one of the PR people would be showing it off, but you wouldn't actually get to experience it. So I, I still want that hands-on experience of it, which obviously you can't get virtually. Uh, the other element is we would always go to these shows and, and have meetings or meet up with colleagues or clients or friends that we haven't seen in since the last CES <laughs> and certainly uh, miss being able to do that. But in terms of from a company perspective, I mean, so many... Apple, Amazon, Google all have their own shows that they do throughout the year. They, mm -hmm. they do to show off their products. So this isn't necessary for them. People don't want to compete for one day. They want to kind of have a day where the stage is their own and they can get the attention of all the tech writers. The kind of show like this is better for startups you know, or those kind of companies that haven't reached a certain level. And so this could be beneficial for them, but it's just so hard to, to fight for attention. You really have to be something completely out there, but not to the point of looking ridiculous in order to, to kind of get the buzz that you're looking for. I think it might be an exhausting period for people doing exhibitions there. I mean, usually one day of, you know, of uh, featuring something in public, it could be quite taxing. So I cannot imagine the five days in a row and the previous preparation that goes with it. So it oh, might yeah. be quite, quite intense. It is quite intense. It's quite, because I've worked in previous lives on things for trade shows and it's, it's a, it's a long time that's spent designing mm. the set or what is going to be showed and, and getting that ready in the demonstration isn't necessarily what the actual product's going to look like. So it's like a whole separate endeavor and, and then mm -hmm. the actual part time of being there, it is a very intensive process. And mm -hmm. do we think, though, that companies in the future, even when uh, COVID has passed, will return to the same way of doing things that they'll send their employees over to Las Vegas? Or do you think they've seen the benefits already of saving all of that money on hotel bills, flights, um, things like that, when they could just easily get that information from home? 
Yeah, I think a lot of people are seeing that benefit. <laughs> it's a tricky one, yeah. isn't it? Because you do want to put your hands on the product, yeah. but at the same time, it it is such a huge investment of resources to actually be there. Mm-hmm. And there are benefits also to those vendors who are there selling their products to having a demonstration that's online that they can record once and then replay over and over again so someone can actually just click on it and see a demonstration of the product. So it helps them also in terms of the resources that they're spending so they don't have to fly out to Las Vegas and sit there for five days. Maybe in the future, hybrid will happen. We'll all do it in the metaverse. (laughs) All right, so it's time for condensed soup. Whoop, whoop. So uh, obviously for the CES-themed episode, uh, we are going to do the most interesting product that each of us saw at CES. So my favorite announcement or my favorite presentation was Mercedes-Benz Vision EQXX. The reason is my favorite is because I think I mean, don't get me wrong, other people have communicated a vision and, and yeah, you know, my vision is around these pillars and then they have been talking about and let's say fitting their concepts, you know, a little bit like um, patchwork, you know. But with this concept, apart from the fact that the vehicle is gorgeous, <laughs> because for me it combines kind of like a, the old and the future in the same concept, so it looks futuristic. I mean, the car looks futuristic, but it looks classic at the same time. So they have got it like very right, in my opinion. But they have based everything around, okay, we want a very efficient vehicle. So then everything around the car is 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 around that idea. So for me, that's a proper vision. So um, the battery is, of course, trying to aim to get to that target. The aerodynamics in the car, which are impressive, are pointing towards that target as well. But the digital implementations within the car, they are as well geared to save fuel and to be efficient as well. So, well, not to save fuel, to save electricity and to be to be fully efficient. So in terms of screens, even if the concept displays a massive screen, but it's trying to be a very efficient screen. It has uh, solar panels in the roof. So for me, it's maybe there are things that are hard to realize. But the thing is that for me, I quite like the concept because apart from the beauty, it has kind of like a, a theme, a very clear theme all around it. What about you guys? I'm interested in healthcare, but I'm also interested in the health of my dog. Hmm. So my favorite product, um, I think, is Invoxia, which is the very first biometric connected collar that monitors your dog's health. It monitors their respiration rate, cardiac measures, and all sorts of things. So I don't like that it's a subscription, but (laughs) I would love to have all of that information um, connected for my dog. It's it's basically aging pets. Yes, it's it's basically a dog collar that has all of that biometric information. I'm going to stay uh, animal themed with mine. The the one that I liked the best I saw was the Bird Buddy. Oh, I've seen that before. That was yeah, this, that's a startup. I've seen it before, but they, they were showing it at CES and they, they got yeah. a little buzz out of it. So the Bird Buddy. They, uh, yeah, were they, they were at CES. Yeah, they were at CES. They're a, wow. a smart bird feeder. So it has a camera. So when a bird comes to take food from the feeder, uh, it identifies what the bird is, takes a picture of it and... 
it can notify you that there's a bird at your feeder, but I'm sorry, I wouldn't want that because I would that just would get going every five minutes. Notifications. Yeah. Um, but to know, uh, you know, what birds are, are visiting, yeah. why you wake up in the morning and, and all the seed is gone. Does it, does it uh, identify squirrels, squirrels <laughs> raccoons? <laughs> I was going to say that it would be useful for other animals because sometimes would, you don't realize yes. about what you have been having around yeah. as you were sleeping. It might not identify them, but it would at least take a picture of them. And you get all yeah. these cute little bird selfies then. Good for them because I know they were they were trying to collect, uh, they were trying to raise money for that. Yeah. Yeah, so they, 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 they did. Got, they, they did, did yeah. Well big time if they got. Up. Yeah, and, and they, those things are, uh, they're doing pre-orders right now and they ship in June. Sounds good. All right. Well, of course, uh, we have a lot more on the Consumer Electronics Show. Uh, we have several reports that we're publishing to our clients. And so if you're interested in hearing more of our thoughts on CES, you can always email us at uxsoup at strategyanalytics.com. Uh, the show notes on our podcast website, which is ux-soup.com, will have links to some of the products that we talked about today as well as our CES reports and our other user experience research. And there you can also connect with each of us on LinkedIn. Reminder that UXSoup is sponsored, as always, by Strategy Analytics. Check out our latest user-focused insights by visiting strategyanalytics.com. Thanks for joining us. Bye for now.